Do you have an appointment? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't let anyone to look at my dress without an appointment. Uh, I have an opening next Tuesday. Tuesday. Monday. Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday. 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 It will be a good time for you to come back and get lost. Okay, goodbye. You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Round two, fight! Hello. Alright. Hello. What was your, what was your, what was your podcast idea? Well, I think that really breaks the the mystery of there being a space between these two podcasts. Remember, remember several weeks ago, yeah, when we had a conversation about blood and how the internet is terrible. Yeah, remember way back, way back in the long, oh, long now, ago. Now that you're saying that, I do remember having some ideas, some yeah. sort of inkling. Can you can you remember that far back in time? Yes. So you were like, "Hey, what can we talk about for the podcast?" And I couldn't think of anything, and then I thought of something. I could barely remember that long ago. Yeah. Who was president then? Um, I'm not sure. Let's not talk about that, no. actually. Um, so, what I wanted to ask you about, because this is something that I went through years ago, right? Is how Puberty. you were... Yes, how was that for you? Was it a difficult it time? Things I had really bad cystic acne. Body, and you're not knowing how to feel about stuff. Yeah, no. I yeah. And you look how you've blossomed. Yeah, I'm mostly blossomed around my midsection. <laughs> anyway. So, um, what I wanted to ask you about was how you felt, and I think a lot of other piercers are in the same boat right now, where they've had to um, completely switch to a, an appointment-based system, Oh, um, where they haven't been in one before. Now, I was uh, walk-ins only yeah. years and years ago, like maybe seven years ago or something like that. And it was hellish because it was a really, really busy shop. Mm -hmm. And so every time I would open the door to my piercing room, there would be people sitting there waiting, getting angrier and angrier about their, the fact that they were waiting. Yeah. And on a busy weekend, people could be waiting for so long. And you get into that headspace where you can't possibly focus on what it is that you're doing or on enhancing the customer's experience because already in your head, you're mapping out what you're going to be doing for the next hour, hour and a sure. half. Yeah. Um, and it's I found that really stressful. But there are other piercers that seem to love that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so when I first opened Forest at the start of the year, I had a, a no appointment walk-in only system, not because I don't like appointments, but because it was a new shop. And I was like, why on earth would I tell someone to book? Just get down here, I'm not doing anything. Um, but having reopened since lockdown, it's been strictly appointment only, which is how I massively prefer to work. But for you, you've always been walk-ins only. Mm -hmm. um, like for, I guess, as long as you've been operating. 19 um, years? Yeah, so you've had to suddenly reformat everything and you've come into all of these little problems that I've got to kind of see you go through um, over the last few months of like figuring out the kinks in that system mm -hmm. and you know when I switched from appointment or from walk-ins only because it did get to a point where I was like I can't keep working like this I need to know that I can go to the bathroom in the next two hours you know that's how crazy it was getting um, and we switched to an appointment system and it was hard and there was like a lot of pushback and a lot of confusion and you have to basically go on an information campaign with your clients for months and months and I would say it took about six months for it to be normalized and about a year for um, 
everything to just, you know, to stop regularly still having people being shocked that it was appointment only. So sure. that was more rare. And so I remember that process. But obviously you're going through that for the first time. So how have you been finding it? What are some of the the problems that you've run into? Because you first set up your system and then as with any new system, you run into little roadblocks that kind of, you're like, oh, I didn't think of that or I didn't think of that. So like, that's something I've already had to go through, but that was years ago for me. So how's that been for you? What's it been like someone with your experience level and your, you know, the, the history that you have piercing, having to suddenly reformat everything about your day? I would say that it was like the silver lining or blessing in disguise or whatever cliche to coronavirus and lockdown and all that stuff. Um, I talked to so many piercers over my career who were very firmly in the appointment only camp and they were all saying like how great it was and everything but then I was I was very firmly entrenched in the walk-ins only camp because on a busy day for me a busy day would be 20 to 25 clients and um, that's how I would that's the perspective that I would look at appointments it's like well if I want to have 20 or 25 client services visits piercings in a day that's like a 12-hour day you know like there's there's no way I'm gonna switch to a 12-hour workday or yada 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 um, so I I probably would never have had um, the the courage the foresight the logistical capability of changing over to an appointment only system because like you said it would have been months of work mm -hmm. to retrain my clients um, but when this happened, I would say that that was the biggest, the biggest opportunity that it presented was being able to change over to an appointment-only system. Um, nobody questioned it because it was like, well, the like, and it wasn't it's the best excuse, really. It, yeah, because it wasn't just out of necessity; it was out of requirement. Like my state mandated that all body art services be by appointment only, so I also had the knowledge and the comfort of knowing that it wasn't just me having to adapt this way it was every shop so why not just like do the best i can at it and and why not pay attention to how other shops are booking and try to like give my clients a better customer service experience a, a clearer way um a more intuitive way all those things so i struggled for the first maybe week or two of research but then, like through talking to other piercers, like I talked to um, uh, a piercer named uh, Chucks at a shop called Old Tradition near Chicago. I, I did that episode with um, Vivi from Fox Labyrinth in Texas, and they they were both using Square appointments, and that's one of the ones. Like it, first, anytime I want to research something, um, I'll, I'll usually. Uh, ask Evan to research it because he's the shop manager so it'll be like okay we want to switch POS systems or this or that or whatever so I want you to look into it for me or maybe give me two or three options and give me your pros and cons over those options uh, and then I'll I'll look at it and then I'll do like the deep dive on the, the, the best options that he presents me with um, but when it came to appointments uh, so many people kept going back to Square and mentioning Square and um, we had another appointment system called DaySmart that we were using for tattoos and at first I was like well I guess we can try to use that and I, I looked at it and I was like that this will ne this will never work 
for body piercing um, unless I want to have uh, unless I want to pay a, a counter person to handle a hundred percent of the booking logistics they so it would have been so inefficient work for tattoos but not for piercing so for Square being able to have a system where the website does it all for you you just you input your um, your criteria and your you know how much time and this and that and it does all the work for you it schedules a very efficient day for you you can set whatever reminders you want it's been amazing amazing on so many different levels there have been challenges too but it's been amazing on a lot of different levels for me mm -hmm. I think that one of the things a lot of piercers I would guess would be feeling right now is frustration at things like no-shows yeah. even when you have cancellation fees and things in place it doesn't make up for the fact that you're not getting to do the work yeah. and I think that that's what customers don't understand is that when we get a cancellation fee we're not like laughing and rolling in it like that's <laughs> the cancellation fee literally covers the bare minimum of the time in the studio so that the shop's not actually spending money on being open for that time period sure. basically no one profits from it no one makes any money from it yeah um, or if you make a profit you make a negligible profit yeah um, so um, one of the things that just again from experience from having switched over to an appointment system so long ago and when I say system you know it was literally phone up and booking over the phone you know there was no technology involved at all originally now everything that I do is you know online and customer managed so clients manage their booking a hundred percent and have complete control over you know making it cancelling and moving it and that kind of thing within the limitations of the system but originally it was just phone up and book or come in and book super simple super low tech and you know there were a lot of problems with that as well with just human error and those kind of things mm. back at that time but um, for for things like uh, like bookings one of the things that I said to you over your frustration with people not turning up is you know if you can get to a point where over 90% of your appointments are arriving that's you're a doing massive a, you're doing success awesome, yeah. and the, the only difference between people not coming in when they have a booking or not coming in when they don't have a booking is your knowledge that they might have come in mm -hmm. so imagine when you were doing walk-ins only you would have had a quiet day and maybe there were five people that would have come in that day but something came up and they changed their mind you would have never had that knowledge so it's literally just because you know about it now mm -hmm. because they've booked and then not turned up or because they've booked and last minute cancelled it fills you with frustration but it's just important to be aware that like that was already happening before people had thought about coming in and then changed their plans they mm -hmm. just never got as far as informing you because you didn't have a system and you had quiet days just like everybody does so having an appointment system can make it feel like you're doing worse because it tells you you're getting cancellations and it tells you that people aren't coming in but people weren't coming in before for all kinds of different reasons you just didn't know about it because you weren't notified in advance of that mm. information so it's just important to remember that you know everyone gets cancellations that's why cancellation fees exist and that kind of thing um, I would say if you're getting a lot of cancellations and you don't have a cancellation fee policy in place you should absolutely set one up oh, yeah. because no amount of how many politely worded posts that you make that's like hey guys just a reminder not to be a dick there people are gonna be dicks well, they just are and you know there's nothing wrong with reminding clients and saying you know hey we didn't get paid today because you all didn't turn up and that's a big problem right. but it's way more effective and beneficial to you and maintains a better professional boundary to just say hey you know we have a cancellation policy now it's to ensure that the staff earn at least a fair wage for the time that they're putting in I mean my cancellation policy is I think really fair and really really 
um, flexible. People can cancel up to four hours in advance of their appointment, which is as short as I could really make it, you know, because it could be easily 12 hours, 24 hours. But because I'm located in a city, you know, there's a higher likelihood that maybe somebody else could take that space within the four hours. Yeah. So I'm prepared to make it less. And that also means that if someone wakes up that morning and maybe they're feeling sick or maybe something's come up, mm -hmm they have a really good likelihood of being able to cancel with no charge at all, which yeah. is what I want. I don't want to be charging people unnecessarily. But if it's, a, if it's a real problem that you're having lots of people cancel and not turn up, and you don't have any kind of a system in place to charge for those cancellations, um, you know, don't, don't think that you can just educate people out of being un, unpleasant or, or you know, self-centered because people just are to an extent. So. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with putting those statements out there, but just know that it's not going to change people. You have to put your your business first and your staff getting paid first and yourself getting paid. There have been a, a lot of lessons I've learned through this appointment-only system where um, I feel like I'm just getting comfortable with it within like the last couple of weeks. But um, some of the lessons I've learned no matter how thorough your cancellation policy is or how many times you post it on your social media or have it on your website or make people click that they have read it, uh, most people aren't going to actually read it. So you also have to deal with what happens when like clients are just like me about the cancellation fee. So for me, um, I've had a, a very steady, constant demand. Um, every single hour, every single day that I make available for booking online is going to be completely booked. Uh, you can set, as far as my system, you can set it out for months in advance if you want, but I only have it, I only post three weeks of availability at a time because I don't want things to get screwy and, you know, the, the world changes, so I don't want to set myself up for having to do a lot of reschedules if something were to change with policies or, or restrictions or whatever. So um, all day every day is booked. Uh, there was a little bit of tweaking as to how much time I needed to block off for an average service. Mm. Um, you also have to realize that average means there's going to be some stuff that runs under and some stuff that runs over that median time. So if you say, okay, I need 30 minutes or 35 minutes or 40 minutes for a specific service. Sometimes you're going to be done in 20 minutes. Sometimes you're going to need 50 minutes, but most of the time you're going to need that 30, 35, 40 minutes, whatever. So um, sometimes your days might start with inefficiency. You might have these random 15 or 20 minutes of dead time that you didn't really need. And if you're looking at it as like, well, I really want to, I want to maximize my income. You might get stressed out. Like I got really stressed out yeah. when I would have these like, you know, if you'd have three minutes, uh, I mean, uh, sorry, three instances of 20-minute dead space throughout the day, at the end of the day, that's an hour of wasted time where you could have potentially serviced one or two paying clients. So that was a little bit difficult. You have to give yourself some time to learn it, just like anything related to piercing. Uh, it's not going to be perfect the first time. So, you know, you have to give it a month or maybe two months to dial it in. Um, realize that not all of your staff members are going to be operating it within those same time constraints. Evan and I are pretty close, so I think it's fine. I think at the beginning, Evan felt a little bit tighter in a, a fully booked day than I did, but 
Um, there have been days where it's been vice versa. Um, all those things have been tough. Uh, realizing that it's unrealistic to book every minute of your day for paid client services. Mm -hmm. um, a, work, a work day in my shop before all this was 12 to 8. So if it was Evan's day, he would maybe show up, uh, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes early, maybe, do a couple of things. But he would, ha he, would, he would know that unless it was maybe a Saturday, he would have an hour or two of piercing and then maybe 45 minutes of free time and then maybe another hour and then maybe two hours of free time, depending on what day of the week it was. Not every day was busy all day. Mm -hmm. So he would have plenty of time to do administrative tasks, cleaning and sterilizing, all that different stuff. But then when we switched over to appointment only, um, I had to learn the hard way that it's like you can't just make 12 hours, I mean, sorry, um, you can't just make eight hours of appointment time because people need breaks, people need to have lunch, but then people need to do all that administrative stuff. So I had to start blocking off specific time for that. As a business owner, in a time where it was like a lot of financial uncertainty, it felt weird because my 12 to 8 day turned into... Um, the staff comes in and they do an hour and a half of uh, general cleaning for the day, sterilization, administrative stuff, jewelry tasks, ordering, whatever. They have they have an hour and a half of administrative time at the start of every day with no clients in the building. It's staff only, the door's locked. And then they start appointments at 1.30 and then they go up until about 7.30. And then they have some free time at the end of the day to do the end of the day cleaning tasks and whatever else they might need to, to catch up on. But that was a huge process of just getting to that point. Like now, I feel like it's more or less clockwork. Each day is, uh, we have a balance between income, uh, administrative, uh, administrative tasks, but also recharge time where they can stop and catch their breath and actually like sit down and eat a meal start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, but getting there was tough. Getting there was tough. Yeah, I think people have been really affected by being locked down as well for such a long period of time and the amount of work that they can take on. Because oh, yeah. when I think about the volume of work that I used to have to do, um, you know, like working at the last place that I worked and just the volume of work being much larger and the turnover just being so much larger in terms of people in, people out. Sometimes I think about it and at the time I was fine juggling all of that and it's like it was nothing at all. And now when I think about it, I'm just like, I think if I had that many people needing to talk to me and someone waiting on the phone and someone waiting in the room and people in the reception, I would just have a breakdown. Mm -hmm. But I worked that way successfully for years and years. But you do kind of have to adjust what you're you're able to manage at work based on what is that's happening in your life. And you and you probably want to like go you want you want to operate below what you're yeah. capable of, um, not even at. So now I'm like 5 hour days, 6 hour days. Yeah. You know, after a 6 hour day at work, I'm completely done in, really really tired. Um and I have um just a strict appointment system in place just like most places do at the moment. Um, which I find, you know, I, I don't, I don't see how I could have, um, even if it was an option, 
continued working, just walking and not knowing what was going to be coming. Mm -hmm. um, I really like knowing what I'm going to have in so I can, you know, if somebody's in for something that's a little bit different, I can think about the options ahead of time that I can maybe go over with that person and, um, and make sure that I have everything that I need. And I really like being able to just have a conversation because I have a locked door in, in place at my studio. I let people in for their appointment and I love being able to have a conversation with somebody about their piercing and about their jewelry and know that no one else is going to walk in and start talking to me because mm -hmm. that's what I find the most difficult to cope with now is multiple is people talking at me. Um, and so I think that just knowing, and I think that's really nice for customers as well to genuinely have undivided attention from this time to this time. It's just you and me and mm -hmm. we're going to do, you know, I have customers that say, I'm sorry, can I ask about this as well? I'm sorry, can I just check? And I'm like, this is your time. Yeah. You can ask as many questions as you want until we run out of time and then we have to draw a line under things to move on to the next appointment. We can go over whatever you want. You can ask if there's extra time left over at the end of your appointment and you're wanting to ask about another piercing or piece of jewelry. We're just here for you and we're just here for this. No one else is going to walk in here until then. And I think that that is also just from a customer's perspective because they'll be feeling the same way, you know, in a lot of respects too as to how they've been affected by being locked down. Mm -hmm. I think it's really nice to know that they can come in, they can be alone, they don't have to worry about other people, you know, walking in and trying to like elbow them out of the way to get yeah. the jewellery cabinet and all that kind of stuff. It's just their time. Um, and I think that that, that that definitely makes it more enjoyable for them. Um, and just not having, I mean, there's always a time factor there but that's for you to manage. It's not for the customer to manage. So they don't have to be thinking about that whilst they're in the studio. I think that's really nice for them. Uh, a lot, there have been a lot of benefits to the appointment only system. Um, you, can, you can predict your day a lot better. And as, as the general administrator, as the owner, as the manager of the appointment system, I can make sure that Evan has a manageable day or that mm -hmm. I have a manageable day. So I basically he never has to um, work with clients for more than three hours at a time. So he's got his beginning of the day admin time and then he's got uh, about two and a half to three hours of appointment time and then he's got a paid uh, 45 minute break. He's got a paid 45 minute break and then he's got another um, like two to two and a half hours of appointment time and then he's got a paid 15 minute break and then he's got maybe like a, a an hour uh, hour and a half of appointments and then he's done for the day so there's there's no point where he's going to just be like grinded down ground or grounded grounded ground down ground down to pound town ground down ground brown cow ground down brown cow He's never going to be crushed by his day. Um, and for the customer side of it, um, the customer gets your full attention. So they don't, they don't feel like um, you're going to micromanage them or like rush off to the next client. When, on those busy days, uh, I could give people good customer service, but when you have 20 or 25 services in a day, you're, you're having to juggle people. So you're talking to the people waiting, you're talking to people at the jewelry counter, you're maybe talking to a client with aftercare questions or release form questions or something, and you're doing all of that kind of in unison. So now, the days that I'm piercing, I don't even um, really want or ask the counter person to manage my clients. I like to do beginning to end with them. So I'll talk to them about jewelry, but I'll be the one who handles their, their intake form, their release form. 
uh, I'll be the one who sterilizes their jewelry and who rings them up and then performs the piercing and goes over the aftercare. They really like that, it seems, because they've been responding really well with very strong sales, uh, very strong tips, which I know is probably un un unusual for you outside of the U.S., but uh, very appreciated by, by me and by Evan. Um, but it's just really nice because uh, you feel more of a connection. At the beginning, we had the days where I did have a counter person because they were also uh, taking care of tattoo clients. And those days felt a little bit hectic. Uh, we were closed a few more days than, than normal. We used to be open Monday through Saturday, only closed on Sunday. Uh, during this, like the, the reopen period, we were also closed on Wednesday. Um, and then I started to notice when we had the appointments, the days would get booked so quickly that I would want to go in to take on like extra hours and I was going in on Wednesdays by myself without a counter person and I was really enjoying that experience because it was the same beginning to end that I was giving the client but them and myself were the only people in the building and maybe if they had a parent if it was a minor too but that's essentially it and it was really nice it brought me back to a, a, a generation of piercing that I hadn't done in a long time because that's how I started my career it was no help at all just me in the studio talking to the person beginning to end for the service and I, I missed it I missed that a little bit now I have that on I've still been doing it most weeks I, I still go in on Wednesdays by myself uh, and do it that way and I like it um, without the appointment system I don't think it would be manageable because I can amend my schedule however I want but uh, it's it's been nice there have been some difficulties too yeah but we don't know what would you say have been the most challenging parts of being appointment only right now? The most challenging parts of being appointment only. Um, well, again, it's difficult because I worked appointment only for years, so it's not like a new thing or a new problem. I think one of the hardest things, overwhelmingly, since I started taking appointments ever, was getting customers to understand <laughs> that being late it's, it's almost as bad as not turning up. In mm -hmm. fact, in many ways, it's worse. When a client doesn't turn up, you know where you are with the day, whether you take a cancellation fee or you just write off the time and just channel it towards something productive, um, whatever it is that you do. If a client doesn't turn up, you know what's happening. If they do turn up, you know what's happening. But if a client turns up maybe you know, 10 minutes late into a 30-minute appointment, that can potentially derail the whole rest of your day. So I think it's important as well as having things like cancellation policies in place. And again, we talk about this, you can, you can make all the policies you want. It doesn't mean people are gonna read them, it doesn't mean people are gonna follow them, but it at least gives you something to refer to in those situations so you're not having to just make it up on the spot, you know? So I try and have a, a policy in place that just says, you know, turn up to your appointment on time. If you're more than five minutes late, there's no guarantee we're gonna be able to see you. And realistically, um, I'm usually pretty good. I, I try and keep a little bit of extra space at the end of my appointments. Um, I try and treat every appointment like it's the longest it could possibly take, and most of them won't take that long. So a lot of the time, I am fortunate enough to have a little bit of buffer time, but not always, and it really depends how the day is stacked. So if a customer comes in and they're 10 minutes late, um, you know, just depending on how the day is looking, most of the time I'll be able to say, no worries, we're going to have to, you know, move a little bit, but let's come in, let's get this done for you. As long as they understand that they're late. Yeah. Um, and therefore that means we have to pace things a little bit because someone else is going to be here shortly. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that mm -hmm. or saying, if you need more time, let's reschedule. 
Um, what I don't think is okay though is for a customer to turn up significantly late for their appointment and then expect you to still be able to take the same laid back pace and sure. still give them the full amount of time that they booked for because I mean, at the end of the day, if someone's my last appointment booked in, for example, and they're a little late, you know, I'm, I don't like to be a small person with my customers. I think that it just loses you business, it loses you money. And if it's genuinely not a problem, I'll just say to them, no worries, whatever, you're the last one in, Let's take a little bit of extra time, we'll get it done and get you the thing that you want. And people are usually reasonable and they're very appreciative of that. It's very rare you'll get someone who's, you know, particularly unpleasant mm -hmm. or unsympathetic to the situation. Um, but if you're in the middle of a stacked afternoon where you're, you know, you have block appointments, maybe 30 minute appointments booked back after back after back, and then one of them is 10 minutes late, or say they turn up 15 minutes late, yeah. you can't see that person mm -hmm. without directly making everyone else late. Or at least the next person be a little rushed. So at that point, you have a decision to make where you're like, am I going to basically speed up the pace with this person or you know refuse to see them if it's just unreasonable you could do anything for them in that time um, or are are you just going to pass that lateness on to the rest of your clients which i think is really inappropriate because it's not their error mm -hmm. so i don't think that other clients should be penalized there's always going to be issues where say for example somebody faints that's going to make the next person late and that's not a situation where you should take that out on the person um, who's fainted or felt unwell. That is a completely unavoidable, unexplained, you know, unexpected situation that you work around mm -hmm. and you just be as accommodating as you can and then you work really hard to make up the time for that. Um, but if somebody comes in late for an appointment, that for me is the biggest spanner in the works um, in terms of, you know, if somebody is 15 minutes late for a half hour appointment, we just have to say, I'm sorry, but we're not going to have time to service you today. We're not going to, you know, have time to successfully prepare you for the piercing, sterilize the jewelry, get the piercing done without making the next person late. So in that situation, you know, if you're lucky enough that you have maybe another slot that day, you could offer them instead, you could do that. Um, but it is the hardest thing to stand your ground when you've got a customer there quite mad at you and wanting to spend money to not just roll over and say, okay, sure, come mm -hmm. in and we'll just do it. But then that makes every other customer that day's experience worse. Yeah. So I think that it is hard to basically in those situations just be really strict with your policies, but be you know kind to the customer still and just say, I'm really sorry, but that's going to make every other client this day late. And, you know, we can't, we can't pass that lateness onto all of their appointments because that's going to mess up all of their scheduling. And we understand lateness happens and you're welcome back and you're welcome to reschedule. But, you know, you booked from this time to this time um, and that was your time. And if you're not available for that time period, you know, we've been here, we've been available. Yeah. That's really as accommodating as you can be, I think. And I think that's the hardest situation to deal with when you're dealing with appointments is somebody turning up just beyond the cusp of what is acceptable. And so that's when I kind of sweat when somebody's like, um, you know, say five minutes late in my head, I'm like, oh God, I hope they're here in a minute. I hope they're here in a minute mm -hmm. because they're either here or they're not here at all. But if they turn up within the next five minutes, then it's going to be like, and, and I start getting quite stressed about it because yeah. it, it could be that they've not turned up fine, whatever. Um, or it could be that, you know, they turn up, but they create a situation by turning up, um, that causes confrontation. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest for me, I think. So I've got two difficulties, but I, I do want to touch on the what you mentioned. Um, 
if a piercer isn't comfortable with confrontation, that, that moment creating a confrontation can definitely be uncomfortable. I think in the walk-in only world, there really is no concept of you're too late unless it's end of the day and you're closing or something. And even then it's debatable. So for me in my studio, same thing in the policies we put, we can only allow a grace period of, of five minutes. Uh, but you know, again, most people aren't going to read that. And I think a lot of the people that are going to be late or something, uh, they're not the kind of people who will necessarily care that that's in your policy. So what we do in my studio is if people aren't there, the, the second the clock turns to their appointment time, like if somebody's scheduled for 2.30 and it, it's like 2.29, we're like waiting to pick up the phone. And if it hits 2.30 and they're not there, we call them. Uh, and sometimes people are just having trouble parking or something, or they're waiting out in their car and they just, they lost track of time and forgot to call you. So in those situations, it's like, all right, come on in, we're, we're ready for you now. Um, but if, if they're like, oh, yeah, I'll be there in 10 or 15 minutes, that's where it gets difficult. Um, because, because you don't know how to tell them not to come. Yeah. Uh, the, the tougher one is where it's like, oh, I'm going to be there in like two minutes, but then they don't show up for 10 minutes. And then they get there and you're like, well, uh, you know, we're already 10 minutes into your 30-minute appointment. I really don't think that, and, and sometimes you get this hubris where you're like, I can totally just bang it out real quick, no problem. And I have done it sometimes. Sometimes it does make me go over. Sometimes I have literally just enough time where they're they're walking out the door when the next client is, is getting ready to walk in the door, which I don't want because I don't want an overlap of clients like that. Um, so it's tough, but uh, I haven't had as much of a problem with that as I have uh, payment issues. So... In my studio, well, and ID issues, which will be the next thing I get to. Um, in my studio, I charge everyone before the piercing is performed because it's very common that we have uh, mid-level or higher ticket sales, and I want to make sure that not only does the client understand how much their charge will be, but that their, their card can cover it, that they have enough uh, on their, their balance or their account or their daily limit or whatever it might be. Uh, and I had multiple, multiple, multiple scenarios where people just weren't prepared to pay. Uh, they weren't shocked by how much it cost. If I'd say such and such will cost $100. They weren't shocked by it costing $100, but they didn't have either $100 in their bank account on that card, or they, they didn't know how to actually pay. They're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't have a credit card on me and I don't have any cash. And it's like, all right. I had uh, one person go into a panic attack because they're like, oh, I'm just going to do Apple Pay. And I was like, yeah, no problem. You just go ahead and set it up, you know, open up the screen and just tap it on on, on this uh, this reader. And they're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I've never done this before. And it was like, now is not the appropriate time to learn this process. Yeah. Uh, there have been plenty of people where they've had to, I, I don't know why, but it's, it's really, really commonplace now for people to not keep any money on their credit card account and then they transfer it from savings or something and I don't know if that's a generational thing or a security thing or, or whatever it is but lots of people have done the whole like oh I need to transfer funds even though I've already given them a total at the front counter before we did the release form before I got it in the statum they still wait right up until the moment where I'm going to charge them and I say okay your total is would you like to do card or cash and they say, oh, I just need to transfer money. And then we just kind of sit there for this like dead period of five minutes or maybe more. It's been very, very common now in the era where we're not allowed to have a guest in with them. Only in the, the event of it being a minor, we can have their parent. But any adult, we can't have a guest in with them. So it's been very common that a spouse, a partner, a friend, uh, 
has to pay for them. And then it turns into this awkward scenario of like, oh, well, my friend's paying. And it's like, all right, well, your friend can't be in the building and I need to charge you before I can perform the piercing. Mm -hmm. And then it's like they have to call their friend in and then I let them just in the lobby door and then we ring it up and then they just they head right back out to their car. And it's been so frustrating that I had to start changing my policies and my reminders to say, uh, you know, you will be charged the, the total of your jewelry plus service fee. Uh, please be prepared if you have any questions about totaling ahead of time, uh, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And we inform the people and it just, it still gets really frustrating when they're just, they're just not ready to pay for the thing that they want to purchase. And mm -hmm. it just seems very, it seems like a foreign concept to me because if I was going to get anything done, if I was going to go get my hair cut or go to a restaurant, like I would be aware and prepared to pay for that service or that item or whatever. Uh, do you have do you deal with anything like that culturally over over in Glasgow? Is that a thing? Um, not massively. Usually, if somebody can't pay, it's because there's been an unexpected event with their card. Mm -hmm. Credit cards aren't hugely popular in the UK. Well, I mean, they're not, it's not that they're not popular. It's just that you could easily go your whole adult life without having one. It's not. Um, something you would necessarily have. So is it that you're, um, you're getting more cash or you're getting more bank cards? Um, bank cards, debit yeah. cards, like chip and pin and... Sure. Well, um, I, I get that too, but... And I don't, just, I don't yeah. do... Uh, everywhere is trying to kind of cut down on, ca cut down on cash mm -hmm. and a lot of places are cashless. And I would never... I don't want to remove a potential way for people to pay. The most important thing is that they do pay. Yeah. Um, so I take exact cash um, because I don't handle change or give out change. So mm -hmm. people can pay with cash just as long as it's exact cash. Um, I actually had a, a situation with a customer the other day. None of their cards were working. They went to a cash machine, their card wasn't working. There was literally no way for them to pay. Um, one of the ways I've gotten around it is that the contactless uh, limit on most kind of individual merchant um, card readers is like 35 pounds. Any more than that, you have to enter your PIN. Mm -hmm. um, and so we ended up having to just like put through incremental amounts of money and just have them tap and tap and tap. Uh, and then I had another customer who that wouldn't work. And so they ended up actually going uh, onto the web store and buying vouchers through PayPal for the amount. So it's like, you really do try your best to be accommodating, but there are times you feel like, how are all of the options that we have not enough? Yeah. Like. But you know that's why it's really mainly just in events where something unexpected has happened to the client, like where they're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what's wrong with my card, or their card's been blocked for some reason, or they. I had a lot of people who couldn't remember their pins after lockdown because sure. it had been so long since they used them. Um, so that's more like where something unexpected has happened that the client wasn't anticipating. Mm -hmm. um, I have had one or two people who haven't been able to be charged the cancellation fee because you can charge the cancellation fee, but if their account is empty, sure. then it will just, just be declined. I um, had that so many times that I called Square yeah. and I was like, is there a problem with your system? And they were like, I don't know how they didn't have a better prepared answer because it seems like it would be a very common occurrence. But when I say credit card, I just say that as a blanket term yeah. for credit cards and bank cards. And I think it was those same people where they don't keep any money on their bank card and they yeah. transfer it in and that's the card they were using to hold their appointment time. Yeah. And then when I would go to charge a cancellation fee, they were just like, well, I'm not going to put any money in there. Yeah, and then, no hold is put on it. There's nothing that checks that the money yeah. is there to pay for or anything like that. Well, so in conjunction with that, my, my appointments... My appointment system has uh, three choices. You can either book with uh, a non-guaranteed time, which is just going to be, you'll have cancellations and no-shows all day, like constantly. So I would not recommend that. I would recommend that you hold the time with some sort of payment option. 
But the two payment options that it gave me is one, you can prepay a, a, a fee, whether it's like a, a deposit or maybe they prepay the piercing fee or something like that. Or um, you enter the card information and you're made aware of the policy and you have to agree to the policy of X amount of dollars as a cancellation or no-show fee, which is what I chose because I thought that uh, requiring people to pay maybe one or two or three weeks before their service would make them less likely to book. But uh, we've been retaining people well with just them having a, a card on the on the appointment that we can optionally charge. But I would say out of all the people that we have had to uh, go forward with a cancellation or a no-show fee, maybe 10% of them, maybe more, 15% um, have done that thing where they haven't had any money in the account. So we mm -hmm. haven't been able to charge them. So it's just, we just get kicked in the nuts for it. Well, we've talked about this before and I've said to you, it's really, it's so easy to just build walls around yourself of, um, policy mm -hmm. and, and information and think well if I just provide more information yeah. it'll solve this problem I mean I would get it I would you know make a really detailed FAQ mm -hmm. and then immediately someone would ask me a question that I would have never thought to answer on the FAQ and then I'll be right I'll go in I'll make an answer for that and that'll take care of that problem yeah. but there's always more questions that just come from nowhere mm -hmm. or there's problems and situations that occur um, that you just can't predict and it's I don't know if it's that people genuinely don't know or they see a gap in that information out there and think that that's some kind of workaround for them um, you know where it doesn't explicitly say we don't take parental consent even though it says you have to be over 16 years of age mm -hmm. um, so now everything has to say we explicitly don't take parental consent or I, I don't take parental consent for the work that I do in the studio um, and before just saying you have to be over 16 is enough but you would get a lot of people being like, well, it didn't say that you didn't take parental consent. And you'd be like, that's because we don't take it. So it wouldn't say anything about it. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to just explicitly, and then it's the more information that you put out there, the less likely people are to read it. And I think that you do try and wall yourself off from confrontation and from, you know, like miscommunications by creating all this policy. And I do think at a certain point, it does start to take over your life a little bit and you just have to be like, you know what, a certain yeah. amount of people aren't going to read it, they aren't going to get it. They're not going to be happy that they've been charged the thing that they had to click to acknowledge they would be charged. Like, that is always going to happen. So you just have to look at it, because it, it's a brand new thing for so many people, and even online booking is brand new for me, you have to look at it in months, not mm -hmm. in days. Yeah. You have to look at the months and say, how many cancellations did I get this month? How, how successful was the system? And if you're getting, you know, over 90% of people turning up and turning up on time and paying, yeah. that 10%, that's still a lot of problems, but you're still being overwhelmingly successful in what you're doing. So it's really important to not get too hung up on those individual minute you know, interactions and think, how can I fix this? And how can I stop this happening again? It's good to kind of close those gaps, but I think you can get fixated on that because it's a problem and you just want to try and fix it and make sure, and it's you right. know, annoying and you don't want to have to deal with it again. But you know, unfortunately, there is no perfect system. Well, you have to um, be realistic too, because I don't know how it is with you, but if I do some, like if I buy a flight or something like that, and yeah. it's like, click here to accept, and it's like, click, yeah, accept, whatever. I don't read yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm sorry, I stopped you mid-thought. No, not at all, I was just rambling. Well, for me, now in the age of appointment only, uh, early on, I started to have these panic, panic, nervous moments because it was like, well, even on a good day, 
we're only servicing about nine or ten clients in a day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we're we're never gonna be able, like, I going through the whole thought process. We're, how am I gonna survive this? My financial future is dashed. You know, what's what's been the point? I've done I've done this for this long, and now now I, this is how I fail, and it's this like slow slow march towards death because I can only service 10 clients in a day. But now that I've been back open for like months at this point, I, I, I do the same thing that you're mentioning. I look at the, the week or the month and I realize I'm doing just about as good as I was before closure because yeah, we don't have those, we're not capable of having those days of 10, uh, 20 or 25 people, but at the same time, we don't have any zero days unless mm-hmm. we're closed. We don't even have any days where it's fewer than probably eight, you know? And, and when I was walking only, sure, we'd have the 20 or 25 days, but there might be other days where we made 40 bucks for the whole day, you know? And that's not even enough to cover my expenses of paying someone on the counter and paying a piercer to be there all day and all the other bills that go with that. Uh, so when I look at it per month, it's like, we're doing fine. If I compare, if I compared August uh, 2020 to August 2019, the numbers were almost identical. And it's like, well, okay, you know, mm-hmm. at this point, I just need to let it go and just kind of settle into like, you know, the cliche of the new normal. Uh, but you do have to look at it in that wider perspective. If you look at it as day per day, you're going to drive yourself insane. Yeah. Um, what's your ID policy like? And have you had any challenges with people not showing up prepared? No, I've, I've always been, um, minor piercing isn't as big for me, I think, um, and for a lot of shops in the UK. Um, I've always been over 16 or over 18, mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, when I opened the studio, it was literally the first time I've ever done any kind of work on people under the age of 16, and that is earlobes for 13, 14, and 15-year-olds, and they need ID, and so does a parent or guardian. And that's that's as young as I've ever gone, and that's just for earlobe piercing. So for me, it's already, you know, if anyone's been pierced by me before, um, anywhere that they've been pierced, they know that they need an ID. Mm-hmm. It's all over the website, the booking system, the doorway, you know, like, um, it's piercing over here is more related with being 16 plus, 18 sure. plus. So um, I'll often get phone calls and emails saying, you know, do you take parental consent? The answer is no. Um, I don't take any kind of a consent for any piercing um, apart from earlobes. Um, but just just to clarify for the people yeah. listening outside of the UK, when you say 16 plus, mm-hmm. the law here is that a 16 or 17 year old can sign for themselves. Yeah. Okay. You're an adult at 16. Okay. Um, and then it's 18 plus for you know nipple piercing and intimate piercing and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, and tongue piercing in Wales specifically. Okay. Um, so it's not as big of an issue because it's already very very normal to be required to have ID. Okay. Um, and the other thing as well is when you do appointment only and people have to enter a card in order to have the kind of card that you can book in for online you already have to be over 16. Mm -hmm. you don't get that kind of bank card as a child so either you're using somebody else's card um, or you're using your own which also really cuts down the amount of like 14 15 year olds that would try and come in Mm -hmm. because before where you could just walk in off the street young people would come in all the time just try and chance it and see if they got ID'd and they would get ID'd and then not get pierced. 
but I don't even really have to knock back as many people because in order for them to get to the point of actually physically being in the shop, they, need a card. they would have already had to book online, they would have already had to check everything that says, you know, it's 16 plus. And I have had maybe two people book for, for piercings that they couldn't have done, um, where, you know, again, they'd used, they'd basically misled a parent into thinking that they could. But in those situations, all we can do is, you know, apologize and say it's on the website. It's listed on the service itself when you book. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be over this age to use that card. You know, if they used a card that wasn't theirs, there would be no way for us to be aware of that. So we've really done everything that we can to put the information out there. And if people are deliberately dodging that information, all you can do is just be nice and explain the situation. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes we are really expected to be over-the-top accommodating to an extent when you've given all the information and you've presented it really visibly and you've tried to actively educate your customers and they get a text and they get an email if they're turning up and genuinely claiming to know none of that stuff it's willful ignorance at that point mm -hmm. um, so I mean I wouldn't ever want to be unpleasant to a customer or have any kind of negative exchange I would always want to be polite to them yeah. but at the same time you know I'm not personally prepared to be uh, you know, attacked or accused of not doing my job properly sure. by saying, oh, well, nobody told us this. Well, actually, we did, and we made all yeah, the that whole available. Yeah, that whole, like, but nobody told me. Um, thing. And it's like, well, uh, I want to get to that in a minute, too, with, yeah. like, reminders and notifications. But yeah. the, the ID thing for me is really frustrating because I pierce lots of minors. I would say it's yeah. probably half of my business. Um, piercing... 14, 15, 16, 17. For me, you're not an adult legally until 18. So mm -hmm. anybody younger than that has to be in with a parent. Now, in in the booking system, uh, every service explicitly lists photo ID is required for all clients and procedures. For minors, we also require a photo ID for the parent along with the birth certificate for the client. Uh, and then we also have a thing, you know, for more information, visit blah, blah, blah. And then when they get the reminders, uh, every single reminder reinforces that same policy. And still, I was getting so many people showing up, either without a photo ID or without a birth certificate, uh, and they would get like really upset, and the, the parents especially would be like, well, she's only 16, how am I supposed to get an ID? And that, that would always be their how, how, how? And it's like, well, you know, we have eight different types of IDs listed on our website that we'll take, and like most most minors by that point have some sort of photo ID from their school or a driver's permit or something like that. And you know, we have lots of other exceptions that mm -hmm. we'll that we'll take for those people that don't have them. Uh, and it got so troublesome that now we had to go back to basically something that we were doing for our tattoo clients. Tattoo clients, we would give them a reminder call about three days in advance. Your reminders at this time. Make sure you have a meal before you come in. Uh, make sure you have your ID, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now uh, we have. I had to get to a point where now I have to have the counter people call every single piercing appointment uh, at least two days prior, and remind everybody of our ID requirements. And everybody acts like they've never heard of it before because mm -hmm. again, people just aren't reading the stuff. Maybe it is to the point where I've put too much stuff for them to read and they've just been like, nope, I'm not gonna read a, a paragraph well, or... That's why at this point, that's the number one. I actually took my, because it's always been in my FAQ what the age restrictions are, and I just literally copied and pasted it and moved it up to the top of the FAQ, so mm -hmm. it was the number one thing. Mm -hmm. So even if someone doesn't want to read everything, because there's a lot of they stuff in there they that. won't need to know, it's the first thing that's there. Mm -hmm. And it's so commonplace here. You know, I, I don't like to be negative, but people do sometimes deliberately 
neglect to read things and read information in the hope that, you know, in the confusion when they arrive, you'll just do the work anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's a licensing issue, it's an insurance issue, and it's just going to be a no. Um, it's the same with people trying to convince you to do anything else that you're not comfortable with or that you don't offer. Um, it's just not worth it. And, uh, and I think that that's one of the things when we were talking about walling yourself off um, with studio policies to try and prevent confrontation. You can do that, but you do also have to, I think, prepare yourself for what happens when you do just have to deal with a confrontation where somebody is not happy and throwing their weight around about a situation where yeah. you've genuinely done your job to the full and gone beyond that because there's no legal requirement to notify of any age restrictions. That's very much on the person that's booking's responsibility to find that out for themselves. But, you know, I would never leave that in their hands. I always provide the information so that everybody has that already. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you're going above and beyond what your requirements are. You're really trying to educate them because at the end of the day, you want to get paid for the appointment. You don't want sure. to be turning work away. Yeah. That's one of the most frustrating things. I don't, I don't want to have to say, I don't want to have to say no yeah, to anyone. Like I want to give them all the information possible so that I can only say exactly. yes. Exactly. People make out sometimes like you're enjoying not doing the work and you're like, it's me that's not getting paid right now. But... Yeah, I, I think that you do have to be prepared for those confrontations. Think about what you're going to say. Have those conversations with a coworker or with a friend. Even do role play <clears throat> and just figure out, you know, what would I say in this situation? What would I do in this situation? Because um, being appointment only, it does mean you can be in a situation where somebody can turn up and there's a higher likelihood of you being alone, um, you know, because a lot of us are working in far more split or, you know, skeleton shifts now. Mm -hmm. um, to, to make sure that people aren't unnecessarily spending time in close proximity with each other. Yeah. Um, so because of all of those things, I think it is important to just think, well, if this happens, what am I going to say and how am I going to handle it so that you're not on the back foot in that situation and you can just confidently say, well, I'm sorry, we don't offer this service. That's listed, you know, here, here, and here. This is where you've been notified. Sure. Really sorry for the inconvenience. That's it. You also and have to uh, finished. get comfortable Oh, did I, sorry, did I interrupt no, you? No, you didn't. Oh. I said that that's it. Oh, well, you, you have to get, you have to create your customer service voice for it because if you sound like you're scolding them, mm -hmm. they're going to come into a much more defensive position. Uh, it's really common with the ID thing now. Bef before I started, we only started doing those reminder calls for IDs about a week or two ago out of months. And during those previous months, we went from the first generation of like, well, it's a frustration and now we just lose out on it. Then we had to change it. We had to make that part of our cancellation and no-show policy. Then we had to put in there explicitly, if you do not show up with the IDs that are required, that you have been informed of, we are going to charge you the cancellation fee because it was like at least once a day that mm -hmm. this was happening. And it's like, okay, well now that's 30 minutes, 60 minutes out of our day where we can't earn any income and we've reserved the time for you. So now yeah. we're gonna charge you the cancellation fee, I'm sorry. And we have to kind of tell people that, but we have to say it very softly. Um, well. You know, when you booked, uh, it was in the service that you booked. Um, when you booked, you got a confirmation email that said these policies. You get uh, one reminder two days ahead of time, and you get another reminder four hours ahead of time. And all of those say the exact same thing about our ID requirements. Uh, and, you know, you, you don't have the IDs. I'm sorry, we have to charge you this. Um, on that... Sorry, go on.
Well, I was just going to say I can't think of a single time I've been in the supermarket and anyone has been nearly that apologetic to me when I've been knocked back for buying wine if I've not got ID. Sure, yeah. Because it's it's exactly the same. People get ID'd all the time, every day, and even now, you know, like there is a system in place where once you get ID'd, they have to follow through with it. You know, they can't wave it off. Even if they take a second look at you and think, oh, well, you know, they're clearly an adult and everything, they have to follow through with it. Um, Otherwise, the whole kind of ID system sort of falls apart. And I have never been in a situation where I've been knocked back from, you know, buying alcohol where the person's been nearly as nice to be like, I'm really, really sorry about this. Yeah. We, we have this system They're in just place. Like, no. So, you know, it's nothing I can do. They're just like, sorry, you need ID. That's yeah. it. And you get on with the rest of your day. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't. It, it's that way where I do think that, you know, your policies are there to... Um, protect you and keep your customers informed so that they don't waste their time yeah. and that they don't have an unpleasant experience as well. Um, but I think that sometimes we do get so apologetic over every error that happens, even though it's completely not our fault and we completely couldn't avoid it in any way. Um, and then we just hold on to that, you know, for the rest of the day or the rest <laughs> of the week. And then we make up more policies to try and make sure that doesn't happen. When yeah. really all we should be doing is just treating it as water off a duck's back and saying, this is a thing that happened. Um, sorry, there was a misunderstanding. Um, you know, please feel free to rebook when you're, you know, of age or have ID, and you'll be welcome back to the studio. Um, and there are going to be people that aren't happy, but those people, you know, that's kind of just on them at a point. Uh, so, something loosely connected to that is the, the notification thing. I'm sure that most appointment systems are going to have some form of notification and, and all that stuff. And that's great. You can tailor that to your needs however you want. A problem, like a, a, a flaw in that system that I've been running into often is that for minors, there's a parent and there's a child. And I don't know who booked the appointment. And even if one person books the appointment, I don't know that that same person is going to be getting the notifications. I don't know if the person who gets the notifications is the person who's going to be the parent in attendance. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, you know, all these different things. It can be all these different people. It can be a mom booking an appointment for a daughter. The daughter is the one that gets the notifications, but the dad is the one that brings the daughter in. And, and all these different things in, in symphony just make misery for yeah. me. And lately I've been getting uh, the parent that brings the child in and then they don't have the ID. And then I, I say, well, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. And then the, the parent gets furious. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, we, we did uh, have that in our, our booking website and in the booking confirmation. And there were also two uh, reminder notifications that were sent out with the same ID policy. Mm -hmm. And then the kid just like goes white and like just kind of stares yeah. down off into space. And then the, <laughs> the parent is furious at me. Yeah. Not at the child who ignored later, all the notifications. Yeah. Hopefully they're mad at them later. Yeah. Just but in the moment, they're furious at me. Yeah. Um, I used to get that a lot um, at the place that I used to work. Uh, what would happen is we'd, you know, again, always been over 16s only. People would phone up and say, you know, how old do you have to be over 16 with photo ID? Or do I need ID? Well, bring it just in case because you might be asked for it. Um, and so sometimes um, not realizing that it's, it's pretty much me that deals with all piercing inquiries over the phone by email and all the piercings in the studio, the parent and child would then come in and then there would be that horrible situation where the parent would be like, well, they phoned and they told me it was fine. And I'm like, no, that didn't happen. Yeah, it like, was me. And they were, and I actually had one situation where I think what happened is I said, no, we don't do that. And the kid had pretended on the phone that I'd said it was fine. 
and like after I'd hung up they'd like kept talking on the phone like Whoa. it was fine and then hung up and the parent came in and it was one of those horrible moments where it's like you're calling my child a liar <laughs> and you're like oh I don't want any part of this I want no part of this mm -hmm. I all, but also yes um, so you'd just be like um, well we, we're you know we're over 16s only we've always have been um, I deal with all these phone calls it was me that you spoke to I did tell you you had to be over 16 and that we didn't take parental consent and at that point the child has nothing to say and they yeah. just sink into themselves and they're very quiet because they're just it's hard to even be mad at them because they're just a kid wanting a piercing they're just at it you mm -hmm. know like everyone can relate to that if you're ever like underage and wanting sure. to get something and done. also like you um, know and, and not to say this in a, an offensive way but it's just reality children are a bit dumb because <laughs> they, they they haven't lived lear long enough to yeah. learn lessons the I hard way yet. I never get like super angry when a kid, I, I'm always just like a, a bloodhound for fake IDs and for IDs that weren't the right person mm -hmm. or that had been altered and like you wouldn't even be mad at them in those situations. You'd just be like, I can't pierce you because this, this ID is not valid. And you'd be like, why? And you'd be like, well, because you've tipexed out the year and you've written in a new year on top of the tipex. And they'd be like, yeah, but the year under that year is the is the right year as well, and it's I'm still over, and you just be like, no, no, and yeah. and then they just kind of slink away, and they wouldn't get pierced, but it's hard to be mad because they're just trying to be creative and yeah. get pierced, but it is hard when someone's parent is yelling at you, sure. and that's one of the other reasons as well why I have never had any interest in doing underage piercing, and for me doing kind of earlobes on people like 13, 15, and um. And 14 is kind of like a, a new thing and just think well I'll, I'll just see if there's an option and see if there's a demand for it which there hasn't super been which I'm relieved about just to see how that is um, because I just I'm there's a lot of things that I love about um, being a professional piercer and being self-employed and there's a lot of hard things as well but one of the few things that I love is just knowing that no one's parent has a right to yell at me I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to be yelled at by one of my customers for sure if they're really mad like you know Fortunately, that doesn't happen to me very much, um, or ever. But you know, at least I would be dealing with somebody that was an adult that I'd done work on, um, and we could resolve any issues that they have. But as soon as there is a guardian involved, and the person that you've done work on can't legally have consented to it, and then this other person is involved, there's just no part of that. No amount of money or earnings that could be brought in from me offering that service would make it worth a parent yelling at me. I just couldn't deal with it. I will debate that issue because mm -hmm. there is literally yeah. an amount <laughs> that will make me deal with that uh, and also just imagine the the magnification of your frustration if you went from uh, all the piercings you do on 16 year olds mm -hmm. to just like oh yeah I'll do all those piercings on 14 year olds with parental consent now yeah. also keep in mind that I pierce children as young as six years old yeah. for your ah your cable TV is experiencing difficulties. Please do not panic. Resist the temptation to read or talk to loved ones. Do not attempt sexual relations, as years of TV radiation have left your genitals withered and useless. Well, I'll be damned. Okay, so I made a little bit of a mistake with recording. I ran out of uh, drive space. So we, we might overlap a little bit. But um, we were talking about minors, so I want to talk about IDs. God, this is an exhausting. We just had a whole thing, and it's yeah, exhausting it to great. even talk I about it again. I don't know how we're even going to be able to recreate it. It was just magic. Well, okay, so IDs. Just just to just to hit on it really quick, because like seriously, like we we were going for a while before yeah. we noticed that the, the drive. If, if 
Will you still laugh at my jokes like you've never heard them before? Sure. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> um, IDs with minors, really frustrating because like no matter how many policies you post online, people are still going to probably show up without IDs. And with me, they when they book, uh, it's on the, the service. This is exhausting. Just trying to rethink <laughs> of this fucking bullshit conversation so, about well, kids. So, well, let me help you. Yeah, you can help, help me. me. Help me. So what you were talking about, because it's easier for me to remember what you said, and you can remember what I said. Allegedly. Yeah. Um, so what we were talking about was what happens when um, you have all the information in place, and all the policies are really clear, really easy to understand, but then the child takes their parent's credit card and books a piercing appointment, and then, you know, maybe they get the email with the notification reminders and all of the information regarding the ID requirements, or maybe their other parent gets it, um, you know, or maybe they live with a different parent or a different parent's taking them to the appointment. And you end up with this system where even though you've provided as much information as you can, the information isn't landing. And that's not really a situation that you can do a whole lot on your end to resolve because, you know, you can put the information out there into the world but if children are going to use their parents' credit cards, for me personally, I think that that's the parents' issue. I mean, they have to be responsible for the usage of their card. Yes, but they're um, never going to see it that way. No, of course not. But I just feel that... Because it's your fault or my fault. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons that I prefer um, not to do any kind of work on somebody under the age of 16. Mm-hmm. Um, which, um, again, we, we mentioned earlier, but just in case that was... Um, cut out because we had some memory storage yeah, issues um, in the UK you can consent to be pierced from when you're over 16 um, and then you know for some piercings we make it over 18 and just recently at the start of this year um, I started offering earlobe piercings for 13 14 and 15 year olds where both they and their parent has a photo ID uh, and that's kind of the first time that I've ever even dipped my toe into that potential market just to kind of see what that's like Uh, And one of the reasons for that is how incredibly hostile and unpleasant exchanges can be with parents. Um, And I feel that's really unfortunate because um, one of the things that I was talking with you about is I do feel that there's a huge market for parents wanting to get their their, um, teenage children pierced safely um, with work that they should be that should be viable for them that they should be able to have done and part of me wishes that I could offer that service because we'll be the first people to say oh don't go to Claire's or you know don't go to the hairdressers or don't go to anywhere in you know the mall or whatever to get pierced but I'm not prepared to offer the services myself either so I do sometimes feel like I'm not presenting a solution but the reason for that is I just I'm not prepared to deal with an ounce of unnecessary hostility that I don't have to yeah um and you know that's kind of where I'm at but with you that's something that makes up what like half of your business why, why yes it does Lola well, uh, brand new information I didn't know that um, but I think the systems that we have in place get better and better each day and I I personally don't think that I want to go back to walk-ins even a year from now when when this stuff's behind us no and I, th- I think that it's like what we were saying before about how you can kind of build a wall around yourself of shop policies when uh, things like this happen and there's miscommunication, the first thing that we always do is look inward and think, how could I have done better? What could I have done to stop this happening again? And if it's the situation that you're providing text reminders, email reminders, you're putting the information in the service description, you're putting the information on the website, and now you're actually calling people as well. If it actually gets to the point where somebody arrives at your studio and claims not to know 
that information, at least loosely, that that point is willful ignorance and it's deliberately not acknowledging the information because it maybe yeah. doesn't suit their needs. So I do think that while it's important to always be courteous and polite and explain what it is that's going on in a way that makes people feel welcome to rebook with the right paperwork, um, you know, there's a limit to how much you should beat yourself up over it and second guess what it is that you're doing. If all of that is in place, at a certain point you do just have to let it be water off a duck's back and just say, you know, I really did everything that I could and ask yourself that and if you feel that you honestly did everything that you could reasonably do, barring as you say going to the person's house and explaining to them to their face, um, then I don't think you have to change anything. You just have to let it go and just chalk it up as maybe that's the small percentage of error for the month and that's it. Sure, yeah. And uh, hopefully this part didn't get clipped out, but you really have to be able to, to look at it in, in long terms. Like if you have a day where two or three clients no show or don't have ID or aren't prepared to pay and that day just goes screwy for you, you have to just chalk it up as like, it was just a bad day. It's, it's not going to be the end of your business. It's, it's not going to uh, be like, it's not going to be like that forever. You have to really look at it by the week or by the month and realize that there's always going to be a certain amount of waste or spillage or whatever term you want to use. Like every other retail and service industry has those terms where they just kind of factor in like nothing can be perfect every day. Uh, you really just want to try to make the day as efficient as, pos as possible. Use these systems to your advantage. Use all their different features with reminders and policies and cancellation fees and, and you know informing clients and time management and all that stuff. Uh, and also try to just you know fully utilize your POS system so you can pay attention to trends. Um, if you notice that maybe Tuesdays are consistently slow, but Saturdays are consistently busy, maybe put more of your resources or more of your bookable hours on Saturday. Maybe put more of your staffing on those busier days, but you really need to have that logistical data to be able to make those long-term decisions. Yeah, I think that now more restrictions are being put on how we work um, and what it is that we can do safely and that kind of thing. Um, that really is a benefit to have in your back pocket is that additional data and information that you didn't have before. That's something that you can use in defense of your business to just help maximize your availability to your customers um, and just organize shifts and that kind of thing. Um, I've always been a bit of a technophobe, um, or I don't like to say technophobe, it's not that I'm scared of technology, it's that I'm just technologically incompetent. So that's something that I've always really put off doing and I've always been a pencil and paper kind of person. And opening up the shop at the, the, at the end of last year, at the start of this year, you know, I really had to research everything myself and look into what I needed myself. And, um, you know, opening up originally, it was just walk-ins only because obviously it didn't really make sense to me to have an appointment system when I was literally doing nothing because the shop was brand new. So it was kind of, you know, walk in and I'll help you straight away. But now um, having had you know, lockdown to, among other things, research POS systems and research booking systems a little bit more thoroughly, they are amazingly user-friendly. I mean, these are systems that are designed for all kinds of self-employed people, um, you know, hairdressers, manicurists, lots of independent sales, uh, lots of independent self-employed people like that um, who aren't used to using big computer systems with, you know, an information overload in them as to, as to how the data is presented to them. So, for me, um, I've actually found that 
Um, things are a lot more user-friendly than I would have maybe thought they would be. I think 18 months ago, you know, if someone had said, you're going to have to be in charge of an online booking system and, you know, all online payment and web store and all of this stuff, I'd be like, I can't do any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But it really is designed, you know, these, these apps want you to succeed because they're taking a percentage of your earnings or, you know, whatever payment system it is they have in place. Um, that makes them profitable, so they want you to be using them. So they're designed to be as user-friendly as possible. Um, and you can use um, all of that data, as you say, for the first time in, in my professional career, I can actually look at a month and see what was my most popular piercing, what were my most popular times. You can look at multiple months and see are there trends and, you know, when payday is throughout the month, you know, where, where are you busier and where are you quieter? And there are always going to be kind of anomalies and things that are unpredictable, but um, things will kind of form a pattern where you can maybe predict what stock you're going to need um, based on those busy periods and what piercings are popular. So you can really use all of that information to your advantage. And I think we could use all the advantages we can get at the moment with the amount of challenges that are being thrown our way. So definitely harness that. Yeah. Did this record? It recorded. That's fortuitous. Mm. Well, um, do you want to wrap it up here? Oh, do we want to do some promo bits? Do we want to do some promo bits? Yeah. I forgot to talk about oh, you my know statum cult hoodies. I'm really, really cold right now, and I wish I had a hoodie. <laughs> and I also don't know if you know this, but I use a statum. Really? And I, I want everyone to know about it. Oh. And I just wish there was a way that I could be warm and just marry those two things together. Well, Lola, you're in luck, because I, I just came out with some, some hoodies. No way. Believe it. Uh, as we record this, it's in the, the pre-order phase, but it, it's going to be up on my, uh, my web shop by the time this publishes for, for orders, most likely. Precisionbodyarts.com slash shop. You can get the, uh, the Statum Cult zip-up hoodie and also uh, a new enamel pin, a cool little like Statum cassette enamel pin. You can get all the other merch, um, the previous Statum Cult designs and stuff. Uh, follow my social media, Ryan PBA, and uh, check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash Ryan PBA. I've got, uh, I think, something like eight or ten on-demand webinars that you can access anytime on the $15 a month Archmage tier, including the new Blood webinar uh, and some other you know, themed webinars that I'll be coming out with shortly. Just to put that into context for people as well, this was until this year. Um, part of your actual livelihood was traveling up and down the world, not the country, yeah. but the world, teaching these portion, classes yeah. in person to small groups of people. Yeah. So the fact that they are, you know, some of them are online that you can literally just log on and watch is like a massive deal in terms of availability of information. Yeah. Do it. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and where can people find you on the interweb? Um, I am uh, Lola.Slider on Instagram, and my shop page is Forest Piercing. And your um, shop website is my, Forest my Glasgow. Website is Forest Glasgow, because I live in Glasgow, and that's where my shop is, and my really? shop's called Forest. That's weird. But you have so a really nice like web shop with some really cool yeah. gold jewelry. So if, uh, if you live in the UK especially, mm -hmm. go and check out forestglasgow.com. Is it .com or .co.uk, some wacky thing? No, it's .com. .com uh, for body jewelry needs. And uh, if you're anywhere near Nashua, New Hampshire or Glasgow, Scotland, you can book in with us uh, 
yes. and schedule an appointment. But please... We won't both be there at the same time, though. Please bring an ID. Hmm. Uh, and don't ever say that. Nobody told you that you needed one. Um, so I guess that's it. It recorded this time. So. Yay. Yay. I'm going to try to talk Lola into doing an another podcast with me soon, but we'll see. So thanks for listening. Bye. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.